Hello and welcome everyone. My name is Michael. I'm an alcoholic and I'm glad you're all here. Just a few things to get to remember before we get started. This is not an AA meeting. It is a member's experience on the exact nature of the wrong as described on page 64 of the AA Big Book and the solutions found within the 12 steps. This meeting is being recorded and it will be streamed live on Facebook later on, on YouTube later. Um, also, please remember that this is not an all share meeting, whether it's a question and answer and as an answer for Paul's H's take on the 12 steps. Um, so to get things started underway today, Paul, I got a, a reading from page 48. And it's going to be the second to the last paragraph on page 48. And it's going to start with everybody nowadays on page 48, chapter two, agnostic. And um, just real quick, Paul, before I get started with, with the reading, I wanted to share with you an experience that I had. And I was telling the group before you got on about this experience that I had just the other day. Um, uh, I have a pool and every now and again, you know, I got to go out there and, and clean the pool. And I have this um, telescopic pole, okay? And the telescopic pole, it had a bent in it. It was bent. And so it wouldn't, it wouldn't come out all the way. So I, I went to I went to Home Depot and I got a new pole and it worked perfect and it was you know nice and long and um, and I brought it home and I stuck it in the water and as soon as I stuck it in the water, I looked at it and it looked bent and I was like what and so I pulled it back out and it was straight as could be. I put it back in the water and it looked bent and it reminded me of this this reading on the on in, in the chapter to the agnostic and and so here we go. Everybody nowadays believes in scores of assumptions for which there is no good evidence, for which there is good evidence, but no perfect visual proof. And does not science demonstrate that visual proof is the weakest proof? It is being constantly revealed as mankind studies the material world, that outward appearances is, are not inward reality to illustrate. The prosaic steel girder is a mass of electrons whirling around each other in at incredible speed. These tiny bodies are governed by precise laws and these laws hold true throughout the material world. Science tells us so. We have no reason to doubt it. When, however, the perfectly logical assumption is suggested that underneath the material world and life as we see it, there, are, there is an all-powerful guiding creative intelligence. Right there, our perverse streak comes to the surface and we laboriously set out to convince ourselves it isn't so. We read worldly books and indulge in windy arguments, thinking we believe this universe needs no God to explain it. Were our contentions true, it would follow that life originated out of nothing, means nothing, and proceeds nowhere. Yeah. Awesome, thank you. Yes. Uh, Paul Alcoholic, welcome everyone. If you're new, uh, basically, the premise or the platform of these Zooms is uh, an idea or a possibility that the root of the problem, obviously, is described in page 64, self manifested in various ways is what has defeated us, that we are not self. Or let's say, if you want to go to an affirming statement, we are of spirit. We are not self, but we are a spirit doesn't uh, <laughs> 
does it really have much traction when self is entertaining it? Yeah, so we want to look at what we're not in a sense, and then we find out as a fallback, actually, of about what we are. And so this statement, what they're reading is, I think it's describing a mental reaction to our living life. And the mental reaction is all these crazy ideas come in and this and that and that and this. You know, I don't, I don't really believe that's a description of me. Yeah, I think it's a description of a mental activity but it's not inherently me. And that's where I feel the freedom lies. Uh, the big shift that became very noticeable was when, because I had read this statement on page 64 many times, because I had the privilege of, you know, leading fourth step workshops. And obviously that was rooted in how it works. And in how it works, we find this on page 64, this statement. And when I saw this statement in a new light, a lot of things changed. And there was the requirement that precedes most of the first few steps, which is being convinced. Yeah. So that's the requirement, meaning it's a present tense state. It's not I was convinced and I'm going to be convinced, but being convinced self. Yeah. Manifested in various ways is what has defeated us. I feel that's making a clear distinction between this idea of self and the idea of us. I would say we are of the us side, yeah, but we might be up the ass of self, but we are of the us side, yeah? And in that, with that being convinced of that, then we now look at self's common manifestations and that's the introduction to the inventory process, the fourth step, the working steps. So. We're going to review what we call our life and we'll see self's role in it. Yeah. By looking at its common manifestations, not all the places I lived and the, you know, my height and my color of my hair or my ethnicity, none of that. Basically looking at the common manifestations of self. Yeah. In my life. So what are they? The first paragraph after that presentation is resentment. So it it's it seems obvious that the program is is presenting resentment as a manifestation of self. And that manifestation, along with other common manifestations and more subtle ones, is the act of being defeated. Yeah. In that act of being defeated, it may lead us to drink and use because we want to get or escape at least temporarily the act of being defeated. Yeah, we want some freedom, even if it's going to come with a big cost. Yeah, and it usually does. Obviously, the payoff cost ratio changes dramatically with drug use and alcohol. Yeah, you're going to have more of a cost and less of a payoff. It's just that's how it goes. Yeah. But in, in, in this case, in Paul's case, I found that the type I was, was I was willing to pay any consequence tomorrow not to feel uncomfortable now. Yeah. I had no idea that all my attempts to escape self was as a self. <laughs> 
it would have been nice to hear that, even though I probably wouldn't have been able to hear it. It would have been nice that it was presented. Yeah. So maybe one day I would hear it. Yeah. That self can't get out of self. And the reason why is you're not in self, actually. Yes. You're listening to it. You're being directed by it. You're calling it you, but you're not. You're of the us. Yeah. Not of self. You may be in self, but you're not of self. That's the great solution, really. So if you do an inventory process with this direction, which is right in the book, we're not adding a new direction to the book. It says it very clearly. Yeah, we're going to look at the manifestations of self in our lives. And so the fourth step is we finally look at our role in things because we've been trying to avoid that for quite a while. And when you see our role in things, you're going to see its role in things. Yeah. And that's the emphasis of the inventory, really, is to see how self has defeated us through its manifestations. That's one. It can be presented. That's one intention. Yeah. I think it's a primary one. And when that happens and you see you are convinced self as something other than you has defeated you, that spirit continues through all the working steps. Yeah. So when I hear a description that everyone would basically casually say, well, that just sounds like my reaction. I don't think it's my reaction. I think it's the mental state's reaction. Yeah. Yeah. And I get into the habit of stop claiming shit I have nothing to do with. Yeah. Seriously. Like a lot of the thoughts and a lot of the feelings that are being narrated and the possibilities that could happen or supposedly did happen. I'm really not of that. I'm of the awareness that allows all that to be noticed or not noticed. But I don't believe I'm what's being noticed, really. I I would say I'm the noticing. Yeah. So this description that's constantly being presented as me seems like a narration, really. Yeah. It doesn't seem like me describing me. It seems like self describing itself. (laughs) I actually don't believe there's a description of what we are. I don't. Now, who we are, there's a description, 6'2", whatever. But as what we're not, there's no description of that. It's indescribable. Yeah. So let's stop trying to describe the indescribable and let's describe the describable which is a mental activity, a lot of mental activity. Yeah. And just like Michael was saying, you know, you look through water, something that straight looks bent. Yeah. We're like looking through water all day. (laughs) We're seeing things that aren't really true. Yes. (laughs) Once you take it out of the water, it seems straight. You put it back in, even though you have the knowledge it's straight, it appears to be bent. Yeah. The water is the primary condition that has you seeing it that way. Yeah. If you take it out of the water, which is a distinct possibility, then you'll see it as straight. The same thing. Yeah. You you see life through self. You see it in a certain way. And everything is brought back at how it pertains to self. That's called self-centeredness. And we're extreme examples of that. Yeah. If you see it from other than self, it there's a whole different message comes through, really. Yeah. And then you have an incredible ability you didn't seem to have before. You can discriminate from what's not happening and what's happening. Yeah. 
what's not happening has thousands of possibilities, but it misses one thing. It ain't happening, actually. <laughs> There's already something happening while we're entertaining what's not happening. Yeah. So basically, you know, you have the touchstone. How am I going to get out of what's not happening? Well, just recognize what's happening. Yeah, that would probably be a damn good way. Yeah. How am I going to do that? <laughs> you are, you're not, you are that. You are what's happening. Yeah. Without you, there's no experience going on. You're it. Yeah. <laughs> so now, you know, <laughs> when it tells you, it has such a surety in its forecast of how terrible it's going to be eight months from now. <laughs> the eight months from now, uh, put put it put its statements in a great speculative condition. You're like, what the fuck? I've listened to this forecaster tons of times. I got a closet full of raincoats and it's sunny as hell. <laughs> what do I want to respond to? The old forecast or my experience? Yeah. This isn't rocket science. It's just seeing something. Yeah. We have the eyes to see. We're awake. We may seem not to be awake, but that doesn't mean we're not awake. Yeah. <laughs> Did I actually open my eyes today? No. The eyes opened and I started to see. When the eyes weren't open, they were still seeing. Don't you ever feel it when your eyelids are closed? You're not like the store isn't empty. <laughs> it's still awake. It's awakeness. It's just not seeing much because something's blocking it. As soon as the curtain goes up, it doesn't take 20 minutes to start seeing, does it? <laughs> it's just thing. You're, it's like immediate. You're on. Yeah. <laughs> You've never not been on. <laughs> so if there is a spiritual condition, and I believe there is, seeing you're not a mental condition, you would fall back into the real condition, which is spirit. Yeah. And if you're, you are a spiritual condition, that would be the highest form of maintaining a spiritual condition, wouldn't it? Being it would be the highest form of maintaining it, yeah? which is the premise that's, that our day at a time is completely based on, contingent or based on our spiritual condition, there'll be a daily reprieve. Well, let's say it's going to be dicey if your spiritual condition is resting on a very unstable, volatile condition called the mental and the physical and the emotional. But let's say if the spiritual condition, the other shit was resting on it, it would be quite different, yes? So instead of starting from the mental and physical to get a spiritual condition, maybe see you're not the mental and physical and start from the spiritual condition. Maybe you'll be able to travel lighter through the volatility of that shit that's not really stable. You're never going to get it stable, you know? You can have the most like controlled environment like they do on retreats for two weeks and you may feel great but as soon as you leave and go into the regular world that peace is gone yes that's not the peace that passeth all understanding 
That's a conditional peace that allows that which is anxious to be somewhat subdued, but the potentiality of its anxiousness is just looming every moment. Yeah. As soon as you leave the confines of that environment, bamo. Yes. So then people think, well, I'm just going to go to a longer retreat. But I mean, seriously, a lot of people can't go for two years, two months, and two days of a retreat. Yeah. Remember that? Oh, yeah. There's a there was a there was a movie. It was great. Uh, this Tibetan monk goes into a a place for two years, two months, two days, two weeks, and two days, and he's. He's obviously the young monks who are going there to finally take him out of the cave, think he's a great saint and everything, yeah? And he's got long hair now, his nails, a thing. So they bring him back to the temple, like great, great honoring. And then he stays sleep. The one monk is sleeping with him in the other room, in the room. And then the one monk's looking at him with great adoration. And suddenly there's a little like a uh, thing rising from the lower extremities and the monk gets a big boner the guy came in out of two years and two months <laughs> he's having a wet dream completely blew the mind of the young monk because the young monk had all these fucking ideas yeah <laughs> You're not going to become a spiritual condition, but you can recognize what you're not and be a spiritual condition. You can. Yeah. But you're never going to become one. It's impossible. But you can be one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the premise. I just went off, but that's the basic premise because in the, you know, the, the vision for us, I think they talk about people are going to come and add on to this. We're not adding on to the principles or the steps or the concepts or the traditions. We're adding on to uh, a diagnosis of the problem. Yeah, I'm presenting it as a mental ideation or a mental addiction to this idea of being the doer, the thinker, the feeler, the taster. And all of that is pictured as a body. Yeah. And if the body is the supreme position, then you're the only way you can look at a spiritual condition is trying to acquire one or try to grow one. And trying to grow a spiritual condition on a body is very difficult. Yeah, it's not the right soil. It's just you constantly have to keep applying fertilizer and manure to keep it going. But if you see what you're not, just with the possibility, you'll find out you are what you've been looking for, really. That spiritual condition is what's looking right now. Yeah. So there you go. I hope that captured some of it. Yeah. Yeah, very well. Yeah, it's like uh, there's an old Indian story about the, the guy who has a big house and he looks in this lovely room and he sees something and he sees it a snake yeah so then he and then every time he opens the door he sees the snake and seems to be getting bigger so he basically shuts the door locks it and just lives in the rest of his house and everyone who comes goes hey what about this room no no there's a huge snake in it yeah 
So no, 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 no. Just go here, go there, blah, blah, blah. Lives like this for a long time. Suddenly someone says, hey, let me take a look at that snake. So a guy goes, all right, watch out. I'll open the door just a little. And the guy, other guy looks in and says, hey, that's a rope. Yeah, that's not a snake. And now suddenly the guy who's been seeing it as a snake for years gets a hit. Hey, it's a fucking rope. Yeah, I can now start using that room. <laughs> I can I can put stuff in it. I can sit there. I even may make it my master bedroom. Yeah, was it ever a snake? And has it always been a rope? Yes. But his perception, which is alcoholism, is a disease of perception, truly. We're perceiving a lot of ropes as snakes. Yeah. And then we're trying to do what we would think we would do if a snake appeared. And we think it's working, but really it's working for the, let's say, the other side because the rope now has the run of your house because you're seeing it as a snake. Yes. So, yeah, when you pull up that thing from the pool, you see it as straight, then you put it in the water. Sooner or later, you're realizing it's an effect of the water. It's a, it's an appearance. It's not true. It's still straight. It's just looking like it isn't. Yeah. There's a huge difference from a reality and an appearance. Yeah. You put on a pair of rose-colored glasses, you're going to see everything in a rose-colored uh, tint. Yeah, that's just, that's how easy it is to change how you're seeing things. Yeah. So, yeah. All right, Mike. Thank you, Paul. Helps helps a lot. So if we have any questions today, please use the raise hand function. Um, uh, you can come in and uh, ask Paul a question or a small share if you'd like. Let's not be shy. All right, we have Van Miles. Van Miles, come on in. Do you have a question or? Can you unmute? Thank you, Mike. Miles, alcoholic. Mike, thanks for the reading. And thank you, Paul. Good to see you and everyone here. Um, Miles from Vancouver. Uh, Paul, it's interesting, you know, when you mentioned this, this direct route, you know, this broad brush to, you know, the spiritual part of the program, the being part, not the becoming part, and it really described me well for, for decades, you know, teaching meditation, following the gurus, trying to build a better miles to overcome the, the bad miles, you know. And it wasn't until I found the fellowship and um, the noticing of what you're talking about, Paul, that the switch just flipped. It was, it was like coming home. It was like the non-doing <laughs> that I was moving, somehow moving toward in the future, which I never arrived. I just never arrived and so you know thank you for that and on that note i would be very curious to know um what your thoughts are paul and perhaps others on this concept of hope so yes. how does how does your teaching um sort of enfold that notion of hope well uh 
you know, in one case, hope is essential. In another case, it may be a disservice, yeah? So hope is a situational thing. If you're super hopeless, hope is very valuable, yeah? Yes, if you keep basing your condition in hoping it will be a better one, that hope is a disservice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it matters the where and when for hope, because I ran into this once in London, I was given a talk there on the non-duality and this guy, he was like a ringer, he was sent there basically to, and so he was talking about hope, there's no hope, it's, you know, whatever and shit like that, but he was stuck in the absolute, yeah? Yeah, he was like, uh, he had the letter of the law, but not the spirit of it. So hope is what that which is before it makes of it. Yeah. So for someone who believes their life is hopeless, and they're drinking, basically to die, to have a to have to see that this hopeless state of mind and body is seemingly hopeless. That's a huge, huge thing. And the first feeling I got at my first meeting was hope I did yeah. when I was listening to these characters it was all men's meeting and they were in the Salvation Army and this lady had dropped me off there and I didn't even know if she'd come and pick me back up but she dropped me off there and I felt something during the meeting and I recognized it as hope and that hope allowed me to feel how hopeless I was yeah so mm -hmm. I'm telling you, hope is not, you can't, uh, it's not fenced in by the letters H-O-P-E. It doesn't have a fundamental inherent meaning. It's given whatever meaning it has by us, yeah, being before it, yeah. So in a certain case, meditation, let's say, could be great for someone. To another person, it's not, yeah. Yes, because... Mm -hmm they know, in a sense, something that they're trying to meditate themselves into. So that would be a disservice to the to the grace that they're in to practice, let's say. And then some people, it's essential to practice. So is practice bad? No. Is it good? No. It's what it's given a meaning by what's before it, which is our that's our role. Yeah. We're playing that which is before all these words. In other words, the meaning of the words are flowing through us. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how I see hope. So I see. Uh, yeah, I see it in, as a it has different meanings based on the person before it. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, Paul. You know, thank you for that. I, I needed to hear that from you because I I took the absolute position. Um, Oh, maybe four or five months ago in a AA meeting, and um, it was it just felt inappropriate almost as soon as I wrapped wrapped up my my comment on hope because I felt exactly like you. I mean, that was the only thing I just wanted to feel that hope, you know, in the beginning, and I did, you know, similar experience. And then, as you mentioned, from the absolute sense. Um, we, we could point and say, okay, hope, um, you know, is a leaning forward into something that is other than what it is in the moment. So yeah. um, you know, where, where is hope in that context? And I made the mistake, you know, I made the mistake of, of bringing that up 
And, you know, at this point, I was saying, okay, you know, be careful with hope, you know, distinguish it from fantasy, um, leaning too far forward into, um, you know, plans, expectations, et cetera. But I, I really wanted to get your take on it. And um, I, I appreciate it because I think I need to be sensitive to, to the context of the story well, that's going uh, on, you know? Yeah, yes. Well, you know, in the, if you've heard of the Course in Miracles, they have, uh, I don't know what they mean by it, but how I read it with this idea of level confusion. So let's say you're on a level of your house is on fire and it's super hot, yeah? And you've heard about another level. Well, there are no houses and there's no you and there's no fire, yes? At that point, yeah. That knowledge of there is no you isn't serving. <laughs> you need a pail of water. Yeah. <laughs> right. So yeah. the head is manifesting on levels. None of them are true or not true. They're just what's appearing to be true now. And it's nice to deal with the level you're seemingly on. Yes if you can have the eyes yeah. to recognize it and you come to those that recognition by mistakes a lot of mistakes yeah so you make a lot of mistakes where you try to pour on the fire there is no fire and there is no you and it doesn't work <laughs> it's almost like a <laughs> it weird wouldn't have worked at my first meeting yeah if so, someone gave me that message my first meeting i would have been out of there you know. Yeah. So there's, you know, this is, uh, so, but this is how we learn. That's the safety of recovery is you can fail in trying to face life successfully. And then you learn there's, there's success in failing. You know, I didn't want to do shit because I was afraid of not, of it not working. So I basically didn't do anything really. Yeah. Yeah. I was afraid of rejection yeah. so much. I never asked for anything. And so that's not a solution. That was insane. <laughs> so I hear you. Yeah. yeah. So and again, you know, I had people call me for different groups. And then before I actually spoke, I went to the group and I listened, you know, on a Zoom. And I realized if I say anything here, it's going to be like raining on the parade. I don't really want to do that. You know, the person I could see it. And from my view, it was full of self, but they were feeling better about themselves far out. Yeah. I'm not, the, I'm not yeah, the, the offender of bad news. I'm just, it's just sort of, I have a seat assignment and that seat assignment can be, you can say, no, you say, no, I don't think it, what I'm, what I'm going to say is going to fit what's going on here. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I've also noticed that that um, you know my position has is really kind of loosened up. I guess I've loosened my my grip a little bit on this thing because I see a lot of people that are successfully able to build faith stories. So successfully able to uh, construct, I guess, a some kind of a story in their mind, uh, whatever faith story that is, that gives them great peace. You know, yes. and. I think I think that's fantastic. You know, I mean, I wasn't able to do that. I kept running into the the existential meaning of things. I couldn't build a good enough story, so I landed here, and this feels yeah. like home. You know. Yes, exactly. Yeah, thanks, so, Bob. Uh, the land of broken toys. Yeah. 
that's right. Yeah. Thanks, Paul. So, yeah. Thanks, everyone. Uh, yeah. But there's, you know, there's, I don't believe there's really many road answers to anything. Yeah. I believe it has to do with a lot of possibilities at the time. So, like, there was a famous old story about a group of people who followed this saint. And the saint acted quite strangely at times, yeah? So they are, from the way they looked at everything, they said, well, we're going to do what the saint did so that we can arrive at where the saint is, see? But the saint wasn't doing the shit he was doing because he used it to arrive somewhere. He was expressing where he was through those crazy things, yeah? He wasn't getting to where he was. He was already there, and therefore he just expressed. And so... People see that and they decide to make a path out of something that's not a path. It's just like an abstract painting coming from that source. Yeah. <laughs> and you'd be wise yeah. because you may try to do what that guy's doing and it doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> sort of like the, the story of someone was walking through the appliance section at Walmart and then a toaster fell off the third shelf hit them in the head and they woke up and then they go and they start sharing it. Now everyone's going to Walmarts on a certain day, having their friend put an appliance on and hit their heads with the expectation that they're going to, they're going to set off the same experience, but the experience wasn't, didn't set off that, that expressed that strange way. The toaster did not bring about the awakening. The awakening decided to play a little narration of a toaster falling on their head. You could do it with a phone book. <laughs> it doesn't, yeah. you know what I mean? So we're not going to be worshippers of phone books, I hope. No, you know. Yeah. <laughs> he only got to the D's. I'm going to get to the Z's. Yes, I'll finally get it. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, yes. You know, there was a master, Ramana Maharshi, I'm going off on other stuff, but he used surrender in a lot of ways. So on the absolute level, he said, well, who is there to surrender to whom? Yeah, so that would be the absolute answer. Yeah, and yet he shared surrender as, a way, if you can't possibly, if you can't get to the origin of the misery, then just surrender to a higher power and thy will is done. Yeah, just do that. That's the solution for you, where you're at. Yes. So he's talked about surrender in so many ways and so many different levels appropriate to where he was at the time. Yeah. Makes yeah. Sense. So. Yeah. Someone coming into AA, surrender is probably the most, is the widest way. It's, it's, the, it's the broadest highway, so to speak. Then after the idea of surrender, you maybe it's going to, life's going to lead you to seeing the root of the problem, which is this identification as self. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And then you see surrender as different, differently than you saw it in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, what I see now, it was a surrendering of this idea called self. It wasn't self-surrendering. It was an it was surrendering that idea of self, really. <laughs> That's what it was, or it is. Really. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Self would love to have it, it being the one that surrenders, but really it, there's, it's a surrendering of self. Yeah. By recognizing it's not you, the possibility of surrendering it becomes possible. And then instead of trying to be free as self, you're free from self. Yeah. You're free from the bondage of self. That to me is the, is the, uh, the actuality of freedom. It's not self becoming free. It's freedom from self. Yeah. yeah. How are you going to be free from self if you constantly identify as it, or if there's an identification as it that's sucking up all the interest and attention, you're going to run into the great message of self can't get out of self. It's an incredible message. If you have, if you hear it, you'll recognize that self, that which I'm not can't get out of itself. Yeah. And so instead of trying to get out of self, I, I start questioning, am I in self? And when you question your, if are you in self, you'll find out you're not. <laughs> now, what are you going to do? You'll find out that also. <laughs> no one can, no one can choreograph those dance steps that happen after. It's just going to go what it, way it goes, but. There will be a tumbling of the dominoes for sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Van. Nice to hear from you, bro. Thank you, Van. All right. We have Kurt. Kurt, buddy, come on in. You have a question or a comment? Good. Kurt. Hey, buddy. Hey, no, I was thinking about this because you, when, when, he, when Van asked that question about uh, hope, I remember you, there was a clarification you made that really, it had the same feeling. And I'd made the statement, uh, if I rob somebody from their pain, they got to start over again from the very beginning. And he, you made the same clarification. For me. Well, it depends on the situation. You know, it's not an absolute. And I no. thought that was really, really helpful in the sense of, because everybody's not in the same place. You know, for yeah. some person, you rob them from their pain. Yeah, it, they have to start over again. But for some other people, that's not true. And so when you made that clarification, it was really, um, it was really clarifying. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 what I wanted to talk about was this. The quite I want to just get you to your your view on this is, and and this is kind of how I see it now. It says the main problem in the alcoholic centers in his mind. And so I've had people ask me, well, I think this, this is just a perspective I have on this. What I think the spiritual malady is that I have a mental condition that tells me I'm spiritually sick. That's what I think it is. I think that's the delusion that, like you said, you know, spirit's never been, uh, I mean, it's pure, it's spirit. That's the nature. Yeah, it, doesn't have, it, it doesn't have a malady. No. Yeah, it doesn't have a malady. So, you know, we we have a tendency to go, well, it says that in the big book. And I think, well, I think that's the misinterpretation. The misinterpretation is that I have a mental condition that tells me I'm spiritually sick. And that's that dent pole thing you're talking about. 
Yes, the mental condition. Uh, for the mental condition to be where it seems to be, the spiritual condition has to be completely underemphasized, obviously. Yeah, because the spiritual condition is the complete rebuttal of the mental condition. <laughs> it doesn't try to rebut it, it just is. It just is the rebuttal of the mental condition. So, yeah. And I feel the program, what the program does is it, you lose interest in self or it diminishes the mental influence in your life because it's way, way overboard. Yes. And then when that diminishes, things arise or that or and some don't even arise, they've always been arisen, become obvious to us. Yeah. Yeah. They won't be without that requirement of the mental diminishing because the mental state is where the problem resides. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So when the problem uh, abets or ebbs, you would say that's the dawning of the solution in mm -hmm. a way. Yeah. 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 The true sun comes when the mental sun goes down. The true sun shows. And then when this true sun's up, it tells you the mental sun was a moon. It was just a mere reflection of the spirit light. Yeah. But when there's only when there's only the moon masquerading as the sun, you may take that to be the source of light, which it isn't, obviously. Yeah. The mental state is a reflection. It is. It's a reflection. So we see the light seemingly being coming from the moon, but that's a reflection of the sun. Yes. Yeah. There you go. I mean, it's that simple, really. Yeah. It may seem to be a lot of convoluted and all this stuff, but it the basic principles are simple. Yeah. Most of us are starting from a mental condition identified as a physical condition. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The perhaps the better way is that the spiritual condition is supreme, not the physical, mental, emotional. Yeah. That experiences and what has experiences isn't the end all and be all. There's other states that not are not experiential. Yeah. They're much more everlasting and always available and not based on certain other conditions to arise yes all these possibilities but the mental state has a dog in the hunt it wants to constantly reinforce the system and how it sees things yeah to the point that it's like the old testament god it will not put up with any gods put before it yeah it's like a jealous motherfucker who wants to smote everything. <laughs> to me, the description of the Old Testament God sounds like the head to me completely. Yeah. And then Jesus came supposedly and gave you the New Testament. Well, that ain't the God. <laughs> what you've been listening to ain't the God. <laughs> yeah. um, and we have that in our, our program, which is the playing God. So what is the mental state doing? Playing God. Yeah. 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 Who's who's at the effect of that? Who's the witness to that? Us. Yeah. We need to have a, a clear recognition uh, between self and us, or we're going to be living as us from self. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> we'll see. We'll hear the statement, self can't get out of self, but we'll be, we'll interpret it as Paul definitely has to try to get out of self. Yeah. We won't see that Paul is actually an example of self. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's almost like the dawning of that new sun. The effect of that is that elimination of that existential crisis of unworthiness that like has always been the thing I was trying to solve, but it was totally delusional. Yes, yes. But again, if the system is failing, the system will say it's going to succeed. Even though it can't admit that it's successful now, it says I will be. Like the main delusion in in AA is the delusion that, yeah, maybe everything is shit, but if I could only manage better, it would be going really well. Yeah. That delusion knows no end. It just keeps on keeping on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you don't, that delusion doesn't stop. You see it is not you. Yeah. yeah. If you're hoping that it's gonna stop, uh, you're going to be unpleasantly surprised over and over again. It can go on, but now it doesn't represent represent you going on that way. It's going on that way is completely different. Mm -hmm. If it's you going on that way, there seems to be a lot of demands that you have to change something. Shit to me, that's more obsession with self, really. Yeah, yeah. You just tell the truth, bring it to step six and seven. If you're motivated and let that higher power take care of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's that was your analogy of the clouds on the beach. You know, it yeah. was, you still see the clouds, but for sure. you see them for what they are. Right. Yeah. 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 You can see we're giving the meaning to the clouds. So if I'm seeing them from the ground and I want to get a tan, the clouds have the ability to block me off from that. Yeah, the clouds aren't doing it intentionally. It's the way I'm seeing it. So suddenly, if I'm seeing it from the sun side, I see the same clouds, but now they seem to stop blocking me off from the light. They never were doing anything intentionally. It was the, where I was looking at things from. Yeah, exactly. It's like the old story. Someone called me once and said, oh, I've been co completely freed of my own ego, but everyone else's ego is bothering me. <laughs> yeah so do you just recognize where you're at hopefully just see it yeah yeah it doesn't mean oh it's not a call to arms really it's just right checking things out and uh you know, a lot of a lot of to me, the relief of AA is admitting I can't do it. Yeah. I can't pull it off. I can't. That's very clear to me. That's how things get pulled off. <laughs> By my admitting I can't do it, really. That hasn't changed in 34 years almost. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's to me is a huge aspect of perhaps there's a better way. Yeah. Now, we have examples. I don't know about you, but alcoholism was pretty damn influential in this life. And no human power seemed to be able to change it. My mother, 
the state, no one. I couldn't change it. Yet something struck me sober. Yeah, I did not get sober in AA. I stayed sober in AA. I got struck sober. So I was so I got struck sober and then I was introduced to AA. So that's that being struck sober wouldn't have been forgotten in two days. It found a way to extend for 34 years. Yeah. But if you look at it as a linear thing, I got struck sober first, and then I was introduced to the way of recovery. Yeah. I didn't get 12 stepped, nothing. It was just, I was a regular day at the office trying to just fucking survive until I went to jail institutions or died. At this point, not much money, so just drinking myself into oblivion. And basically, I had spent two years in a program and a lot of hope had arisen and that hope had got dashed when I left that two year program and went back out and got loaded again. I had actually reached that incomprehensible, demoralized condition. I was hopeless completely. So I basically said, I'm just going to fucking get you know, loaded on anything I can to try to forget that which I know, you know, which is I'm fucked. So. And I was busily doing that, and then something intervened and struck me sober. Explained to me in the innermost that I'm fucked and I'm not managerial quality. It was that simple. Then that night I found myself in an AA meeting. I didn't go there. A woman brought me there as a requirement for me to stay at her place. That's the only reason why I went. Yeah, I went. I got felt hope. The next morning I woke up and I was afraid. Yeah, because the same old managerial team was working and uh, I called this AA and I asked, hey, is there a meeting earlier than eight o'clock? Because basically I didn't think I could make it. And they said, yeah, there's a noon meeting, right? At 17th and Guerrero in San Francisco. I went there and I haven't stopped going yet. You know, I've been in AA since then. Yeah. So the sobriety is a gift, but here we're confronted in in a place of time and stuff. And a lot of gift, gifts can be forgotten. A lot of miracles can be forgotten. They need a way to extend in time and into circumstances. And to me, AA is that way, to me. I'm not saying is for everyone, but I needed a way of life, not just a program or a weekend retreat. I needed a whole overhauling of principles of my behavioral patterns. And there was no way I had the ability to deal with that. It was way too crushing. And just a day at a time, things changed. Something changed me and I submitted to more change because I felt I was in good hands. I observed the second step. I felt that something had done for me what I couldn't do for myself. I'd been sober for eight weeks. That's all the evidence I needed. Yeah. Third step, I was keen on that because I had surrendered to a lot of things in life. I had surrendered to the police. I surrendered to this Delancey Street for two years. Yeah. So I had the spirit of surrender, but I found in hindsight, what's the most important aspect of surrender is what you surrender to. Yeah. When I surrendered to this program, it was the greatest uh, manifestation of incredible, wonderful effects of surrender. Yes. Like when I surrendered to the Lancy Street, I got shelter. 
and I got guidance for two years. But that shelter had conditions. If you want to stay sober, you can never leave the Lancy Street. Uh, that wasn't that that wasn't that attractive to me. <laughs> I didn't want to live in a program rest of my life. So AA allowed me to be a free range alcoholic. Yeah, <laughs> run around, do whatever. Yeah because I don't need a coop. I don't need a ceiling. I have principles that play the role of the ceiling and the coop, which I've learned here in recovery. Yeah. Yeah, I'm quite intimate with every statement in the book. You know, the observations of the problem completely and the, uh, the descriptions of the effects of the solution completely. Yeah. Problem doesn't exist for me today. Hallelujah. Yeah. What more for such an incredible problem to have that have the solution completely negated in a sense a day at a time. That's worthy of the term solution to me. Yeah. A lot of solutions that are bandied about I don't see as solutions. They just demand more and more effort and shit. But this was a solution. Yeah. Yeah. So it talks about, you know, you come to believe. I mean, we've seen enough, haven't we? Yeah. It's not like, uh, uh, maybe it works. You know, it's obvious. Fucking. I know so many people, their whole life is based on AA. They met their wife. They have kids, got jobs, everything. Other people, they're not, they're not attracted to that that much. And yet they are, they have the ability to enjoy peace of mind. Yes, they see the value of, of being available to others. Yeah. I feel like I don't, I'm not a believer of you have to have it to give it away. I believe if you're willing to give it away, you have it, so to speak. That's what my, that's been my experience here. Yeah. Yeah. So, but again, I think the solution leads to a more clear recognition of the problem. And that's what we're hoping to put out in these platforms. Yeah, because the problem is vague in a sense. It's whacking us isn't, but it doesn't really, how does this self get to the position of manifesting and defeating us in our own lives? Yeah, there must be some kind of technique or thing going on for the us to have a forgetfulness of itself and an identification as some foreign movement yeah i mean to me the parasite's greatest strategy is to convince the host that it's the parasite really yeah so now the parasite is seen as the host it's insane to me but hey so there is a solution yeah Thanks for your time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a solution on so many levels. There's a solution like ab about the drink problem. Yeah, you get to learn not to drink anymore and you lose interest in it, really. It doesn't look like a solution ever. Yeah, but then in that, so that so for some people, that's all they're looking for. That's more than enough. Other people, they want to, they feel there's a irritability, restlessness, discontent that doesn't subside by not drinking and living a good life. Yeah. So they have to go a little deeper to check it out. 
And then they get down to the causes and conditions. And then there's a freedom there. Yeah. Yeah. So which are they is there better or worse? I don't see it that way. I mean, I saw so many guys that seemed pretty damn happy that they could fucking, you know, go to a picnic and play softball and not end up having a fight and getting arrested. Yeah, that was happy. And they wanted to have a family and they had the ability to have a family. And now they're proud to have kids. That wasn't the seat assignment here. You know, I wanted there was uh, the irritability and restlessness, you know, ran deep, so to speak. Yeah, it wasn't going to be soothed by just having you know, social events and shit. Yeah. <laughs> it needed, yeah, yeah. So, and I know there's people like me and like other than me. And so we're not targeting everyone. We're targeting certain people that come here that may be uh, not out of virtue, but out of pragmatic. They've got to get down to the real nature of the problem. Because, uh, yeah, their problem started way before drinking and using. (laughs) So here we are. Yeah. Yes. We're not meeting everyone and consigning them. Go to these talks Tuesdays and Thursdays. We're not doing anything like that. We're just, if you show up here and you've got some interest in it, we'll put out these ideas. And maybe like we do in AA, you follow suggestions, follow these ideas, see if they work with you. Yeah, if they work with you, uh, they'll keep working with you. They will. Yeah. And you'll start seeing shit uh, that you used to look from. You'll start seeing something. Hmm. Yeah, so if I could enjoy peace of mind playing, you know, softball, I would. Yeah, that's why I surf so much. I really, I was absent a lot in the water. But then, you know, my surfing career, I was involuntarily retired (laughs) due to age and and appendages and joints. (laughs) So, So I can't, you know... I felt it in the water, but it wasn't from the water. That piece was in me and the water teased it out of me. So now I find other ways for it to be teased out. Yeah. 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 So you are what you're looking for ultimately. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks, bro. Thanks. Pleasure. Good seeing you. I got to go at 1130 today. I've got another. Oh, it's past 1130. I got to go soon. I have to do a Zoom for some other group at 12. I'll tell you where it is. It's going to be on Facebook, but I don't know how to get. Don't even get there. We'll post it when we're done. Yeah. So I got to end soon. because I got to get there early to go through the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we have no more hands. I got to put on a robe. It's appropriate for this other group. I got to put on a robe and then... uh, Practice some loving gazes for a while before. Before don't, well, don't forget, don't, forget your, don't forget the colored contacts. I got the colored contacts ready, and uh, yeah, I'm gonna have like a fiery virtual background. Yes, with a theme song before I enter. Yes, yes, yeah.
It's a big production. A lot of pauses, you know, silence. Yeah. That's subliminally saying, I know something that none of you know. Mm. <laughs> ah. All right, can I, let's say goodbye to everyone. Eh? Yeah. Thanks, thanks. All right, so we got, we got a murderous row up here. There's Ted. Ted was the one who brought me to Redondo Beach, basically. Yes, nice to see you, Ted. I hope all's well. I'm doing and, well. And if, and if it's not, at least you're well. Yeah, that's good. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. And we have Bill and Kathleen. So uh, the the most more significant significant other has arrived. Nice to see you, Kathleen. Nice to see you, Bill. We got Kurt from Redondo. It is such a pleasure, uh, my Redondo Beach connections. Really appreciate it. I have a lot of respect for everyone. Jess, Jess from Ireland. There she is. Always nice to see Jess. Lovely talk, Paul. Thank you. That was beautiful. Oh, you're welcome, honey. It's my, it's, uh, yeah. We got Walter from the Netherlands. There he is. Nice to see you, Walter. We got Joseph from France. Always a pleasure to see Joseph. Uh, we got Chris from uh, Lexington, Kentucky. Yes. Nice to see you, Chris. Gabe. Oh, I have, I've missed Gabe for a few weeks. Nice to see you, Gabe. Thanks for dropping in. Yeah. Stefan on having never left. Yeah. Michael, Stacy, thank you for all the service, Mike. And um, yeah, we got Chris. Uh, there he is. Chris T. Beautiful background. I like that. The wall. We got Roman. Roman from Germany. Always a pleasure, Roman. Roman is a. It's like a German bundle of joy. Nice to see you. <laughs> yes, we got Mickey from Madeira. Nice to see you, Mickey, as always. Keith, oh, Kaiser, Kaiser, nice to see you, Kaiser. You're back in Minneapolis? Yeah. Yep, it's almost, uh, yep, getting spring, so it's good to be here. Oh, good. Terry from Maine, always a pleasure, Terry. Nice to see you. We got Jack G, he's roaming around Cape Cod, yeah squatting and loitering shit yeah <laughs> we got uh nina oh great to it's i don't see her but i know she's there thanks paul oh you're welcome man. we got suzanne nice to see you suzanne yeah senna very nice we got van thank you van from vancouver house that's nice van from vancouver uh let's see who else is here i think that's about it except some phone numbers hey well thanks guys i'll see you uh uh saturday at one o'clock pacific time we'll have the zoom and we have the live at the same time and uh just keep checking it out we're not gonna have there's a thing about having a zoom weekend we're not gonna have that i I didn't just enough. I didn't have any interest in it. So we're going to put it off for later. Got other shit coming on. So 
<laughs> oh, Kelly, I didn't see. Say hello to Kelly. There she is. Nice to see you, honey. And uh, oh, Oliver. Thanks, Bob. How could I have missed Oliver and Kerry? I didn't see this whole page. Uh, all right. So uh, yeah, I'll see you guys soon. Any all the information of talks and stuff, except for the one I'm going to do right now, <laughs> is on the event page. <laughs> uh, I'll see you guys. Thank you for the day. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Bye.